Hello, everyone. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. I hope all is well with you and yours. Um, we've been pretty busy over at my house. I'm sorry if we're kind of not posting and podcasting and doing as much as we used to, but we're in a bit of a transitional phase. We've got some people uh, starting to help with our social media. We're excited about that. And if, uh, candidly, if I wasn't so busy at work, I could actually uh, focus on it a little bit more because I think it's going to be really good. I think it's going to be exciting. I think we're going to get the word out to more people. I don't just uh, think it. I have it by faith in Jesus' name. Uh, because really, you know, I believe that's what God wants me to do is just take these truths and, and help get them out there, help people walk in the light of all that God has done for us, all that he has for us, all the amazing realities that that God has in store for us. And we're going to talk about a lot of those wonderful and awesome things today. So uh, so buckle up because we are really going to talk about some, some life-changing revelation, some life-changing truth, not revelation that's personal to me in any way, just really wonderful realities from the Word of God that that if you will adopt into your thinking, if you will adopt into your identification of self and see yourself in the light of the truths we are going to be discussing today, I tell you what, your life is going to change big time and you are going to begin impacting the world around you big time for the kingdom of God. And and it's going to have just an impact, a, an impact of the blessings of the Lord in every area of your life, as you'll see as we go through this. So I pray that this blesses you. And today, fundamentally, we are talking about your reality. And I once heard a pastor talking about a subject he called new creation realities. He was talking about all that happens to us when we receive Jesus Christ. At one point, he exclaimed, and it's a reality. I love that. And it's a reality. You see, while this statement may have sounded redundant to all he had said already, he was making a very important point that we all need to hear. What the Bible says about you, especially what it says about you spiritually in Christ, is in fact your reality. You cannot see it. You cannot feel it. But it is just as real as anything else about you. We must understand it, accept it, and live by it. Maybe you've taken a class called Identity in Christ or something like that. And those are great classes. We have to learn what the Bible says about us, about who we are in Christ. And But unfortunately, I find that most people, even those who are very aware of their identity in Christ, who have read the book, who have taken the class, they fail to allow this understanding to impact their daily lives. Now, now that's maybe not true for everybody I know, but, but a lot of times we go through that class, we read that book, we hear these truths, but we don't let it impact our daily lives. And, and obviously this is one of the overarching themes of, of my teachings here is we have to take these truths from the Word of God. We have to take these awesome teachings from Jesus and from the Word and let them impact our lives, let them change the way we think and then impact our lives. But maybe you've never taken the Identity in Christ class, and that's okay because we're going to run through the basics today. And if you have taken that class, this is going to be a good refresher to help spur you on. Because 
after you've taken identity in Christ or a similar class, your life should look very different from your life before. So let me ask for those of you that have taken that class, just think for a second. You know, is that true for you? After you took that class, how did your life change? I bet because the word of God will not return void. It's going to produce in your life. I'll bet if you look back, you can think, you know, I started to think differently. There are some things that changed in my life. But would you say it's really had the impact that it should? Now, I'm not going to, you know, get down on anybody, but you should see major shifts in your thinking and your actions once the truth of your identity in Christ has has been revealed to you, has been delivered to you one way or the other. Because it really should impact your life big time. And if you let it, it will improve every part of you and your existence and it will set you on the path to accomplishing all that God has for you. You need to understand that God has great things planned for you. This is part of your reality in Christ. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We could say much about the good things God has planned for you. They are the path you are supposed to follow. They are a tremendous source of excitement and joy for you. Relationships, prosperity, and growth will all be found there and so much more. But God, and this is very important, this is, <laughs> this is a good distinction I think sometimes people miss when they get excited about that verse because it is an exciting verse. But you see, God did not invite the old you into those good works. These good works are for the new you, the you in Christ. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect. I'm saying we have to be growing. We have to be on the path. We have to be allowing God to change us into the person we were always meant to be. And as we grow and as we mature, there will be good works for us all along the way. And I'm emphasizing uh, this because this passage is so important. Your destiny, and I, and this is something that I believe, you know, I never really heard anybody say, so maybe it's a bit of a personal revelation, but I really believe this. Your destiny is not a single moment in time or one amazing thing you should do. Your destiny is to do a lifetime of good works, a huge number of them that always perfectly fit with your life season and your spiritual maturity. See, when you get on the path of God's good works, excuse me, God's good works for you, you go from one to the next, some big, some small, some seen, some unseen, and you start living in this supernatural existence, this divine tapestry of people, places, events, circumstances that God has woven together that he wants you to participate in and really receiving revelation of these good works that you're supposed to do from the Holy Spirit as you are in relationship with the Holy Spirit. You're now allowing him to lead you and guide you. Hey, pray for this person. Hey, invite this person to church. Hey, go out for that job. Hey, start pursuing this. That that creates a lifetime, really the perfect life that God wants you to have. I'm not saying it will be with always easy or without struggle, but it will be awesome. 
And, and I'm saying, though, that if you don't acknowledge your new realities in Christ, if you don't recognize who you really are now and you keep growing in that direction, you're not going to be able to do a lot of those good works. And, and you know, that's probably not going to become a bumper sticker either. You know, hey, if you're not like Christ, you can't do your good works. But there is a lot of truth to that statement. And, and I think it's a, it's really helpful to understand this. You know, in the simplest terms, if you aren't loving, if you aren't kind, if you aren't patient, if you aren't generous, God is limited in how he can use you and you're limited in the good works you can do for God's kingdom. And I hope we wouldn't need to argue about that. You know, if you're a surly person, if you're a greedy person, you know, if you're uh, rough with people or impatient, let's face it, you're, you're going to, it's going to be tough for you to really do a lot of good works for the kingdom of God. And, and that's one of the beautiful things is as you come to yourself to accept, you know what, maybe I'm not naturally, and this was me, by the way, this is me, maybe I'm not naturally very nice or naturally very kind or naturally patient. Somebody actually mentioned that I was very patient the other day, and I thought they were being sarcastic, and they may have been, I'm not sure, but but I don't see myself that way, at least I certainly wasn't in most of my life. But if you're not naturally those things, it'll be tough. However, when you decide, you know what, maybe I'm not that way, but I'm going to allow the Spirit of God to work in my life and I'm going to develop the fruit of the Spirit. As that happens, it not only are you going to be open to, to really exciting opportunities for the kingdom of God, but you're going to see it has such a wonderful impact in your heart and in your thinking. These, these emotional, this emotional growth is not just for the world around you. It's for you as well. This emotional maturity, this fruit of the spirit is, is just a wonderful, wonderful thing, both for you and for others. But anyway, what I'm saying is, uh, We've got to grow. And God wants to use the in Christ you, the created in Christ you, not the old you. And the in Christ you, the one who's created in Christ, is like God and becoming more like God every day. And that's the you that God uses in the good works. And again, I'm not saying you have to be perfect. No matter where you are on this journey, God has good works for you. And even if you never really mature, like a lot of Christians, God still has some good works for you because, you know, they're a gift, they're a blessing. And in his mercy and grace, he'll help you see some. But, you know, on the other hand, when God sees you, and I know a lot of you, you know, you're praying, you're pressing in, even if you're just getting started, but you're opening your heart to God. You may not have used those words, but when you get to the point where you say, you know what, man, I'm just going to start cracking open this Bible. You know what, man, I'm just going to have my family in church. And, you know, even when you just start there, you know, that is you opening your heart to God and he sees that. And when you start desiring more of God in your life, he sees it and he starts opening doors for you. And God also starts doing his supernatural work inside of you, even in your nature to change your mind and emotions. It's such a wonderful, wonderful thing. And now let's talk about the next levels of growth for good works. And then we're really going to dive into the word. But let me just say, the first levels are developing godly character traits and the fruits of the spirits, as we've kind of been discussing. The next levels are true spiritual maturity, operating in your spiritual gifts, and walking in divine power. God has 
all of those for you as well, for all of us, for every one of us. I do not mean people in the full-time ministry. We should all be walking in divine power, in the gifts of the Spirit, in our true calling for the kingdom. Walking, talking, agent, ambassador, citizen of the kingdom of God, ready at a moment's notice to fight against the dominion of darkness, ready at a moment's notice to unleash the blessing of God for the people that you come into contact with. That is, that is a bit next level. And, uh, but that's, that's where we're all going. And you see, God has for the, those for you as well, as you, as you, Begin thinking this way in line with your new creation realities, the realities of who you are in Christ. And understanding who you really are in Christ is the master key to going to those higher levels. When you encounter a sick person or an injured person, do you lay hands on them and say, be healed in Jesus' name? Now, some of you do. And that's wonderful. And, you know, and I do sometimes, but not as much as I should. And it's true. The person, you know, who would be who you would pray for needs to have some faith on their side. But my point is we need to start thinking this way. I see my kid cough or sneeze. Boom. Get off her right now in Jesus name. Uh, the other day, my kid started talking about some kids at school doing some weird stuff. And honestly, some kid talking about worshiping the devil. Man, come on. You know, I don't know anything about what's going on in that kid's house, but in the name of Jesus, I speak to every single unclean spirit. You're no longer allowed to come into my daughter's school. You're no longer allowed to follow any other kid or adult into that school. You stay away from that school in Jesus' name. You stay away from my daughter in Jesus' name. See, again, I can think this way because I have absolute clarity in my authority over the dominion of darkness. And that's how we need to begin operating and thinking the moment you see something that's out of line with what you know is God's will for your life you start coming against that thing in the name of Jesus but anyway you know we all have this authority and ability but I'm not getting down on you if you don't operate this way maybe you've never been taught like this maybe you've never thought like this maybe you know that idea of praying that way sounds insane to you and that's okay don't worry about it you know we're working on this together we're learning these things together uh, but what I'm telling you is that's the reality that you should be living in that is the way that you should be thinking and you know when you learn who you are in Christ you let that knowledge flow into your daily life and you're going to see big, big impacts, big changes in your life and in the lives of those around you. See, it's high time for the body of Christ to let our new creation realities impact every aspect of our daily lives. Many of us don't understand those realities and it's not enough to hear them once. We need to study these verses and meditate them so we can have them become a part of our foundational and operational mental frameworks. So let's get a basic handle on our new creation reality now that we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And let's try to do this in a clear and concise way. I highly encourage you to study these verses that we're going to go through uh you know, on your own, in your own time, take, you know, just take a few minutes, look at each one, read it a couple of times, think about what it means, picture, picture these realities as part of your reality. The, the, the realities I'm reading today, yes, they're true for us all, but you need to think of them and recognize that they're true for you. And so, 
again, I highly encourage you to go through these verses because we're going to look at a lot of them. And this this is going to paint a picture of you that maybe you've never thought of before or maybe you have, but you, you haven't thought about it as much as often as you should. And and this is going to create the, the mighty man or woman of God that God has truly created you to be, to have this impact on the world. So let's get going. First of all, you must understand that humans are a spirit, soul, and body. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.23. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are born again. So that's what Romans 10 verse 9 says, that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised us from the dead and we are saved. That's how we get saved. When that happens, at that moment, we get born again. That's, uh, you can see First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3 and chapter 1, verse 23 on that. Your body and your soul are not born again. It is your spirit. And Jesus discussed this at length in John chapter 3. Your spirit gets born again. And this is essential to coming into relationship with God. Jesus said specifically in John 3, 7, you must be born again. When you understand all that it means to be born again, you will understand that statement that you must be born again. And I appreciate that the term born again Christian is a, uh, can be a bit divisive, but let's just be crystal clear. Jesus was crystal clear. Uh, anybody who, the terms born again and Christian are synonymous. Let's put it that way. If you have not had the new birth, whether you call yourself a born again Christian or not, if you have not had the new birth, then you are not a Christian in the eyes of God, and you have not truly come into the family of God as we are going to discuss today. And I'm not saying that to be devices. I'm just saying it to be crystal clear. Jesus said, John 3, 7, you must be born again. And what he's talking about is, you know, you have to have this spiritual rebirth that we're going to talk about a little bit today. But again, when you are born again, this is what happens. Your spirit is immediately recreated directly by God. God, who is a spirit, literally gives birth to your spirit. And that's why it says in 1 John 3, 9, that God's seed is in us. And that Greek word for seed is sperma. You see, you were kind of this human spirit when you accept Jesus Christ immediately, in a moment, in an instant, that human spirit dies and you are created, recreated in Christ by God through God's very own seed. That's why we can say he is your biological father, because he is, in fact, you are a spirit and he is your father. He gave birth to you. And so in that moment, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you asked him in your heart, you know, you didn't feel anything. You didn't notice anything. But these are spiritual things. And on a spiritual level, that's what happened. And in fact, I would just say, you know, if you've never prayed that prayer, uh, it only takes a moment. Father God, I repent of my sins. I believe that you know, Jesus died on the cross for my sins and you raised him up from the dead on the third day. 
I confess right now that Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Send me your Holy Spirit, Father God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You pray that prayer with belief in your heart, you're done. Done deal. You're born again. Glory to God. The angels are rejoicing. And everything we're talking about today applies to you. Hallelujah. So again, you... When I, and when I say you, uh, what I'm talking about today, I'm talking about the real you, the spiritual you, the recreated in Christ you. So you are a spirit. Now you have a soul. That's your mind, will, and emotions. And you live in a body. Now you got to get that framework down deep that you are a spirit. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I have a soul that I'm going to manipulate and renovate according to the word of God. And I, I live in a body that is going to be dominated by my spirit and led by the spirit of God. My body's not going to tell me the way this life's going to go. My spirit and my renovated mind are going to tell my body how this life is going to go. But your spirit has been born from God. Now you are God's child. Romans 8:16. This new spirit God has created is not just you. Now let me let me back up because this is really important. You are God's child, that's Romans 8, 16, and this new spirit in you, or you, that God has created is not just you, but is in fact a unified spirit between you and God. You see, God both recreates you in a moment, in an instant, you are born again spirit now, like God, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit comes into your physical body and unites with your spirit. It is both you, your spirit is both you and a unified spirit with God. That's 1 Corinthians 6.17. So God's spirit both comes to live inside your physical body and God's spirit joins itself to your spirit in a perfect union. See, this is what the new birth is really about. It's so much more than just a heaven ticket. And uh, again, I encourage you to look at first, excuse me, Ephesians one thirteen. That's about the Holy Spirit coming when we get saved, and First Corinthians six seventeen and nineteen uh, about the presence of the Holy Spirit and and the union with the Holy Spirit. When you understand these points, you understand much of what Jesus said in his long teaching to the disciples in. John chapters 14 through 17. You see, God and Jesus are always with you and they are with you in the presence and union of the Holy Spirit. That's John 14, 23. They will always be with you and this is an eternal union between you and God. And in fact, and this is really amazing, and this is maybe a little bit deeper, but still it's very good, very appropriate for today. Your spiritual reality doesn't just exist inside your physical body. Yes, it's true that your spirit dwells inside your physical body and it's now this united spirit with you and the Holy Spirit, but your spiritual reality extends. Let me explain this. Ephesians 2, 6 says, For God raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. I mean, what an amazing quote. You see, in the same way that your spirit is united with God's spirit inside your physical body, your spirit is united with God's spirit in Christ 
in the very throne room with God. You have a spiritual presence, a spiritual reality in your body, but you also have a spiritual presence, a spiritual reality through your union with the Holy Spirit in the very throne room of God. And you see, is that, I mean, is that crazy and awesome or what? But now just think about that verse, Hebrews 4.16, where it says that we should come boldly before the throne of grace. We are already there. We are already in the very throne room of God. We are already united with Christ. So it makes perfect sense now that we would be invited to come boldly before the throne of grace. You see, these are wonderful, wonderful realities, but let's even go further. As you have been born again, God now sees you as perfect. You're perfect in the eyes of God. Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. You see, that's us. Jesus gave one offering to God himself, and with Jesus' blood, we are forever made perfect. Yes, you might sin and make mistakes, and those sins might mess up your life, but you are never going to be any less perfect in the eyes of God. There is no sin you could ever commit that will impact your perfection, because your perfection is determined not by your works, but by the very blood of Jesus. And and for some of you that may be thinking in this moment that that's a little basic, well, let me let's just keep going a little bit. You see, you received perfection by faith in Christ, not by your works. So your works cannot impact your perfection. See, this is the mental shift because even those of us that understand these things, that know these things, we still struggle with, with coming boldly before the throne, with, with walking in the revelation or the light of our true relationship with God when we've had a bad day, right? That's when it gets tough. I think for everybody, uh, you know, maybe super mature Christians who really understand these things, but, but, but I'm saying is even the most of us who have heard these things before, it, it still has an impact on us when we have a bad day or when we've made some mistakes, even though we know that it doesn't impact our salvation, it doesn't impact our perfection. Again, you receive perfection by faith in Christ, not by your works. So your works can't impact your perfection. And you should separate these concepts in your mind. This was kind of a revelation for me, for lack of a better word, and I think this will help you. Separate these concepts in your mind. Your works for God are important and have good and bad impacts on your life, but they do not impact your salvation or your perfection before your Heavenly Father. Look, you could never do enough to earn your salvation. You could never do enough to lose your salvation. Now look, maybe, you know, maybe it's possible that people could lose their salvation. They deliberately reject Christ. They deliberately walk away on and on. We're not getting into that debate today, but I'm sure it's extreme. But maybe, maybe it can happen. There are some verses that suggest it could happen. I know a lot of people don't believe that. Let's not get into it. But here's my point. Your works didn't earn your salvation. Your works aren't going to lose your salvation. You separate this in your mind. And the reason it's important to separate this is so that you can truly develop this 
constant mental framework that you are perfect in the eyes of God. You are saved in the eyes of God. You are without sin in the eyes of God. That doesn't mean that that you never mess up, but it does mean that God sees you as washed by the blood of Jesus no matter what you did that day. This idea of your righteousness your freedom from sin is so important that you really need to have a personal revelation of it. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. End quote. You aren't just righteous, my friend. You are the righteousness of God. And that sounds crazy. But but think of the other verses we've already been through today. Now that we know we are God's biological children and that God has in fact unified his spirit with us, maybe it's not so crazy. Of course, given our union with God, we would share in his righteousness. It would be weird for us to have some other type or level of righteousness and still be united in spirit with God. No, he, he takes us into himself and shares his righteousness with us again because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So when God looks at you, we are righteous in God's eyes. And it's not some low-level human righteous, righteousness. God sees you as righteous with his own righteousness. Isn't that incredible that even though you may, incredible is a bad word, but you know, even though you may have, you know, cussed out somebody at work or had a really bad day, God still sees you as righteous with his righteousness because you didn't earn it. Your works didn't get you there. The blood of Jesus is more than enough to cover every sin you'll ever commit. And it's perfectly intact for you and your salvation, even on the worst day. And the next time you feel weird talking to God because you messed up, think about these things. And, you know, think about it for a second. You know, you're not going to sit there and all of a sudden just feel great and feel great about yourself and, you know, come, you know, okay, God, you know, I'm not saying that it's going to necessarily have that kind of impact on it. But, you know, these are not physical or mental things. These are spiritual realities. And so just take a moment, remember the reality of your righteousness, and then you go to God anyway. You don't need to feel it. You just do it. Even if even if you're not mentally feeling it, you just do it. You don't feel righteousness. You don't feel perfection before God. And, you know, there's so much in the world around us that would tell us otherwise, that would go against our redemptive testimony, to use kind of a Christian word, to go against our new creation realities, that it's tough to keep this at the forefront of your mind every time you approach God. But look, here's my point. You go to God based on what the Bible says. The Bible says you're perfect, you're perfect. The Bible says you're righteous, you're righteous. The Bible says you can go boldly before the throne of God, then that's what you do, no matter what kind of day you've had. And this needs to become a, a part of how you think. What is more real to you? Is it more real that you feel righteous, that you feel like you had a great day? If you feel that way, maybe you really didn't and you need to examine yourself. But but what I'm saying is you don't go to God based on that anyway. 
You go to God based on what the Word of God says about you. Yeah, I messed up, God, but I know I'm righteous and I'm coming right before the throne. Thank you, Father. Help me. We should think and live according to what the Bible says. No matter what I did, I'm still righteous. I'm still going boldly before the throne. I'm going right up to God to say I'm sorry and I ask for His help to make it right, do better next time. I'm still going to live in the light of my new spiritual reality, who I really am in the eyes of God. I may have been ugly at someone at work, but I need to pray for someone that needs it two seconds later. And folks, I've been there. I've had some bad moments moments with my work or, or with my wife. And then in the next moment, I encountered a situation where I needed to pray immediately. The Holy Spirit has never said to me, wait, Byron, you just messed up. You don't have any business praying right now. Don't even open your mouth. You know, no, that the Holy Spirit never says that. Of course not. On the contrary, and maybe this is just me, I feel like what he says in those moments is, yeah, yeah, you messed up and you know, it. and we can talk about that later, but you're still one of my people. You need to pray right now. You pray. You're still righteous. I'm still with you and you pray. We'll deal with your problem later. Friends, we need to live in the light of our new creation realities on our good days and on our bad days. I'm going to think this way when everything's going right. And when it seems like everything's going wrong, I'm still going to think this way. I'm going to live and move and have my being in Christ and in the reality he has given to me, even if hell and everything this world can bring against me seem to be winning in that moment. Look, moving on. In addition to God's righteousness, you have God's love. You have God's love for you to both experience and to share. And let's start with God's love for you to experience. Romans 8, uh, 38, 39 teaches us that nothing can separate us from God's love. That includes our sin. God will never stop loving you, his perfect child. You are part of him now. You are one with him. And you are one with his love because he is love. That's 1 John 4, 8. He is love and you are one with him. So obviously, nothing can separate you from his love. And if that doesn't help, understand that he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That's John seventeen twenty three. See, Jesus earned the love. He deserved it. He was and is perfect and the only one truly deserving of the, the love and blessings of God. And now that we are in Christ and we are perfect with Jesus perfection, God loves us the same. He loves us on this level because we are in Christ and we are entitled to his love in the same way that Jesus is entitled to his love. Again, not because of anything that we've done. It's because of what Christ has done for us and how we're allowed to participate in that through our faith in Christ. And again, you should separate these concepts in your mind. Just as your righteousness is not earned or impacted by your hate behavior, we separate those. I separate my righteousness from you know what I did today. I separate my standing in the eyes of God from my de- daily behavior. I also separate God's love for me from my behavior. 
It is eternal. It is persistent and pervasive and unconditional. And no matter how I may have messed up today, God's love is still there. And yes, it's true. God loves everyone, including all the sinful of the world. But the sinful people in the world, that's absolutely true. Jesus died for every one of us, even at our very worst, before we ever knew him. But people that are not in Christ, they do not have the relationship with God that you are, that you have. People who are not Christians have not had the Holy Spirit pour God's love into their hearts. That's Romans 5, 5. You are one with God and his love. You are united with him in love in ways they will never be. You've, unless they accept Christ, obviously. You've come into this loving relationship with God, not through works, but through your faith. And God loves you, not because of your works, but because of your faith in Christ. God loves you on this level because of your faith in Christ. And you should never think twice about God's love for you again, even on your worst day. And there is so much more we could talk about, and we will in the days ahead. You need to understand your blessing, your inheritance, your promises, all that comes with your new reality. But for today, focus on your reality in Christ. If you are a Christian, you are now an eternal spirit like God. In fact, you are the perfect biological child of God. You are united with God in spirit. You are united with God's love. You are the very righteousness of God. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus, even if you still don't act much like Jesus. You are already seated in Christ in the very throne room of God. These are your eternal realities, regardless of what is happening in your natural world today. So let me ask you, do you think this way? Do you see yourself this way? Do you allow these truths to be both foundational and pervasive in your thought life? If not, this is a big part of the mental renovation you need so that you can live in God's perfect will. As remember, that's Romans 12 too. We gotta to renovate our thinking. This understanding our identity in Christ is a huge part of it. You know, regarding your natural life, God has created you in Christ for a lifetime of amazing good works, a lifetime of loving relationships with God and others. There is so much out there for you to do and experience. Just take a moment to pray. Pray that God would help you understand these truths from his word. Pray that the Holy Spirit would have such a strong presence in you that you are constantly aware that he is with you. And that these new creation realities are your reality. Let that thought ring in your mind that this is a reality. This is your reality. Pray that God would help you develop a new identity, truly an identity founded upon your identity in Christ. And I, you know, I'm not talking about your name or your citizenship or things like that. I'm talking about your identification of self, how you truly see yourself, that you would see yourself as God's perfect child, as as inseparable from the love of God, inseparable from the blessings and the family and the kingdom of God. That's who you are. And you are now empowered to go out and be a blessing to the world around you. From your new identity, you are destined to change the world one good work at a time. My friends, I love you. God bless you. We'll see you next time.